Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Delicious Podcast with me, Jilly Smith. And this week I'm joined by Nigella Lawson to talk about the 20th anniversary of her very first book, How to Eat. And with so much to talk about, from the voice that influenced a generation to the storytelling of food and the making of Nigella, the TV character, I started off by checking her sound levels. And in time on a tradition, I asked her what she had for breakfast. But I quickly found myself in a chapter of How to Eat, learning how to make poached eggs. Okay, I cracked the egg in a cup and I add a bit of either lemon juice, either a teaspoon of lemon juice or half a teaspoon of like white wine vinegar, just to the white bit. And I leave it there and let it stand for five minutes. I use a cold egg so it holds its shape better. And then I bring, I put some water on and when it's nearly, well I boil it in the kettle and when it's almost coming to a bubble, to bubbles, but not actually, I turn it right down. In fact, if you're doing one egg, you can even turn it off. And then I pour the egg in and the watery bit, the vinegar helps the watery bit seem to go, so don't pour all of it out. You'll have some watery bit of white mm. left in the cup. That's mm. what happens when you strain it. Mm. But you can do it by letting it stand for a while and then just making sure you don't do the watery bit of the white at the end. Mm. And then I, with the heat off or very, very low, I leave it for three to four minutes depending on, don't touch it, don't anything. There shouldn't be any movement in the water. And I leave it there for about, yeah, it's about, about four minutes with it off. And it's luscious. So, 20 years. I mean, first of all, congratulations. It's such an amazing (laughs) achievement. And I I really want to take you right back to Mm. where it all began. You you and your late husband, John Diamond, you created this whole thing, didn't you? Well, yes, in a way. But it came out of the fact that I always used to be, have very strong opinions when we went out to eat or... I would see something on TV when someone was cooking and I would always say, oh, why would you put that with that? Or if you did this, it would be easier. Or there are too many ingredients in here. And John said to me once, you know, you're very confident about your views on food and most people aren't and they need help with that and you should write about this. Your views, what goes with what and what you think about food. And I said, really don't be ridiculous. And then I was having lunch with uh, the late, great Ed Victor, my agent, and I said, you know, this idea when I was talking about food and Ed adored food. So we always spoke a great deal about food. And I, he said to me, oh, it's not such a bad idea. And I said, oh, I don't know. And then we just carried on talking. I said, Ed, but, you know, I've always, you know, because I thought then I was going to write the great novel of the 20th century, fast looking like the, the great novel of the 21st century. And he said, oh, well, you know, even even, a, you know, a 
someone who's writing, you know, a symphony, um, they have to do a few chords first. Regardless, you know, think of chords and how would it be? And what would you what what would you say? And I was talking to him, and obviously got quite interested. And he said, "Okay, after lunch, you've got to go home. You're not allowed to take your coat off. Before you even take your coat off, just go to a computer." and write the proposal for this book that you've talked about today because if you go in and take your coat off you'll never do it he's right and so I did kept my coat on I did it old-fashioned days I faxed it over and, and it went was, from do there. you remember what those sort of first 60 words were um, I think I told the story that is in the book which is uh, partly that having gone to someone's house for dinner and uh, just we could all hear her weeping very noisily from the kitchen and we were in this rather odd table outside it wasn't you know it was just propped outside in a sort of landing and it got more and more awkward because what can you do we you know we do we talk over it if you know do I go in um what do you do and I just thought it really doesn't need to be like this and the food was wonderful but it would have been better to have um you know call in pizza do you hadn't know she, hadn't so, she been up all night yes yeah, she'd been but she'd been up all night but it was much more that she she thought she had to be like a restaurant and I thought this is so mad but at that time particularly yeah. all this notion of entertaining was always you have to seem like a restaurant yeah. and I thought how's it come to this that people don't have an understanding that home cooking is very very different yeah. and doesn't have to be apologised for and I suppose as well that um, I'd reflected allied to that I think another thing that fed into the book I'd um, my mother had died young and my sister also um, somewhat earlier that decade and I'd missed the conversations and about food and I suppose I felt very much I had in my head I was I had thoughts about food and I I reflected on what it had meant to a life and to and what it said in terms of relationship and how you how you talk to people, how you were with people. Mm. And, I, and I suppose that all bubbled up. Mm. Did it feel that you were passing it on to your children? I mean, your daughter had just been... She was four, wasn't she, when the book was published? Um, yes, she but must have been. that time when you were thinking about the book, I wonder if you were thinking about sort of, I don't know, passing on the family legacy because your mother and your sister well, had been such fantastic I suppose cooks. So. I didn't really think of it like that. I don't know that I had any thought of it existing outside my writing it. Mm. It was very personal and it was certainly full of opinions. Well, and I think I mean. had I thought it's, more... It's so full of voice. Yes, but had I thought more, I think I would have tempered it more. And I think, as I say, I don't know that I had a notion of it ever being read, actually. Really? I don't know. I don't think so. But I think it's, I think I, it was partly, I did think a bit. I thought of a friend of mine who I felt was um, so intimidated by the notion of cooking. I think people think cooking is more complicated than it is because they see people who cook complicated food. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I had no idea what sort of book it would be when I started writing it. I think I didn't know it was going to have recipes in it. I thought it was going to be just more of the opinion. Yeah. And then I quite enjoyed threading recipes through and it is threading recipes mm. through that's what's so lovely about it you know you you write like you talk uh, so it's very beautiful and then you just lob in a, a wonderful dish that is so and then you tell the story behind it Jeanette Winterson talks about how you create the fairy tales it's sort of magical isn't it you sort well, of take us to the realistic place too I but think before yes you get, be, before you get realistic you talk yes. about where you ate that food so you take us there I think story is everything and I think that 
we need as humans, you know, but like she says, we need to feed one another and feed ourselves, but we do have a great need to connect. And Mm. I think that in writing, you are connecting with other people. And in a way, when writing a book about food, you're connecting at a very deep level because you're bringing your uh, your family's food into their family, into their life. And I, I think that's a tremendously powerful and moving thing to do. And I'm constantly overwhelmed uh, at the notion that my food has become part of someone else's life, their rituals. And I think that's... And I love it when people tell me how they perhaps changed a recipe or when they cooked it. I'm very nosy if people say, oh, I cook that every year. I want to know what else they cook with it. And that interests me. I love the idea that glamour sort of means an enchantment. And I wonder (laughs) if you enchanted us. Um, Because let's put it in context. 20 years ago, British food was pretty awful and there were very few people cooking wonderful food so there had to be some storytelling there had to be some performance I don't know I think that 20 years ago British food had got rather better was getting Uh, was getting better I think um and I think people were beginning to be interested in it and it began to have people began to see the value and that there could be pleasure in it and I think that um, but they were still feeling, I think, at home, very uh, overwhelmed, that uh, perhaps intimidated by, you know, virtuoso chefdom. And I and I suppose I just wanted to bring it back to some some recipes that were plainer um, that I loved that were really unfashionable. And it's very interesting how many of these very unfashionable things twenty years ago are now, yeah. you know, sort of trendy. Yeah. Um, but that element of well, storytelling. Ninety two. When you say trendy, you know you're sounding like <laughs> someone's grandpa. <laughs> yeah. But but that storytelling. I mean, when you were just cooking with your sister, for example, mm. did you tell stories to each other, or did you just cook? Well, we we cooked and we talked about the whole of life, but we did also talk. We often spoke about what we were doing and why we were doing it, and we would also often remember other occasions we'd eaten yeah. um, that particular recipe. I think there's something very companionable about cooking with yeah. someone, and I felt that, in a way, that's what I wanted to do as I in in writing the book to, is to be in people's kitchens with them, chatting, mm. burbling away about the recipe. You know, maybe you want to add a bit more liquid, maybe you don't. Maybe you want to turn the heat up because it's gone too. Um, you need to evaporate some of the liquid because it's. You know, it was all that sort of thing. So it does. It is a bit on the one hand and on the other in the book, but it's very much trying to say, look, it's this is not a precise mm. art. Yes, the recipe has to be totally workable and reliable, but nevertheless, there are so many different things to to consider and I felt it was more important to go through the process to explain why I did what I did and why they may want to change something um, you know as as well cooking and I think that um, that's always interested me I think that and in a way although I was very resistant to television at the beginning television enables you to do that too because you can show and you can talk people through a recipe but I've always been more interested in chatting to someone rather than barking instructions. Yes, no, absolutely. And the book is very much, as you say, you're you're absolutely in our kitchens. And I think people feel very connected to you still mm. because of, of the prose. Um, stepping it up a little bit, stepping up the glamour and into the gastro porn that uh, you uh, coined uh, yes, that term. Yes, I did. I mean, I don't... Th- do you know, I don't know... I don't know about glamour. I, the real truth about glamour, I, it does it doesn't exist. It's exactly. a measurement. It's, a it's how you look at. It's how you look at something, and I think that in in a way, the 
enchantment of cooking is lies in its ordinariness and I think that's why you don't get any of it if you're all you're doing is the stressful dinner party mm. element mm. because I think it's that sort of chopping something stirring something seeing seeing how it changes under heat seeing if you put lemon juice it will change in yeah. a different way yeah. and I think that it's you know in a way it is like a bit like a spill you are making a potion yeah. and um, but you have to be able to learn how to do it in your own time and according to your own palate and I think that sometimes people forget that and we there's a terrible and I think this is much more so now than 20 years ago there's a there's a terrific tendency to want to be told the one and only right way mm. and there isn't a one and only right mm. way and um, there isn't just one recipe that started everything off there are lots of different ways of approaching a particular recipe and so I have to cook it my way. Someone else might want to cook it in a different way. We may meet in the middle. I might say, you may enjoy, you know, adding some pasta to this soup. I don't think it needs it. They might. Yeah. I might on a different day when it's colder. So there isn't one a, way of... You have to have quite a lot of confidence to be able to feel comfortable in the kitchen. You do. Bizarrely. But you. But confidence comes by way of competence. And I think competence is a very unglamorous word. And so people don't like it. It's, it's a bit workaday. But you have to cook enough as I say in the ordinary run of things to understand what happens mm. and I and I think yes but the basics can be learned just by cooking your own supper mm. I think that when I always say to people when they say what's the best way to learn I always just cook for yourself because yeah. you, you don't worry so much if it doesn't work out yes. and that have it with that pressure taken away but I wonder if that confidence comes from you know a, a, a legacy from your grandmother to your mother to Thomasina to mm. did you cook with your with Horatia yes I still do and Dominic Occasionally, he's not. A, he can cook a few things. Yeah. Um, but I do think that I had the great luxury of learning how to cook without recipes. So I somehow had to use a book which had recipes in it to try and say to people, "Just try and cook this enough times so that you don't need to look at the recipe, so it becomes yours." Mm. So you, because you, I think a recipe has to go into your bloodstream a mm. bit, and unless you cook something a few times, you don't really know mm. how it should be changed. Yeah. So I don't deride the recipe. If I'm following something for the first time, I will follow a recipe. Now, I am naturally um, anti-authority, so I find it very difficult to stick to anything, even one of my own recipes I yeah. want to fiddle about. Yeah. But I do always, the first time, I always follow a recipe. I think now there's a real snobbery, like, oh, if I'm so creative, I can't follow a recipe. Well, actually, you, it, you do have to. I mean, the, a lot of the, you know, I say a lot of the great abstract artists first, you know, did, you know, go, you know, learn how to draw. Mm. You need a, you need to learn the, the foundation, yeah. yes, the basics. The basics can be very small, but you need to get over your fear of being in the kitchen before you can actually exult in creativity. Mm -hmm. So you just need to feel, I'm there and I know what I'm doing. And it takes a while to know what you're doing. Yeah. I think onions are a very good example of that. Do you? I think onions are the most basic thing. I, barely a thing I don't cook with un, without onions. Yes. But if you think about well, how you things. can cook, yes. well, yes. Yeah. But... You know, you can cook onions fast and burn them, and then yes. it's ruined. But if you slowly cook your onions, yes. they give off the most beautiful flavour. And then almost anything you cook in them yes. will be but delicious. But I who know. knew that? Well, I think that a lot of recipes tend to pretend you can cook onions faster than mm. you can. And I feel very strongly, so I'm a great fan of the banana shallot, yes, which I wrote about as from How to Eat, because... <laughs> 
they um, are wonderful and cook. I mean, I, I, they cook in we're a quarter of the time, really, of, of onions. So that's my fast route to that wonderful sweet onion flavour. Top tip. <laughs> Let's go back to way back when, 20 years ago. So the book did phenomenally well instantly. It was an instant hit, wasn't it? It was what everybody seemed to have been waiting for. I don't know. It's so hard to go outside. I mean, for me, it was amazing. It was... It was amazing how it did, and it was. It's, it's not book to have done well in a sense, you know, without illustrations, yeah. and very, very much, um, I suppose, had my own prejudices and particular tastes. And but I think you you have always got to be honest. But how did it feel? It must have been oh amazing. my! It felt. It, it, look, it was overwhelming. It was wonderful. I mean, because at the same time I was going through a difficult time at home, and John was very ill. Um, it, I suppose. Was Bruno born then? Yes, Bruno was born so two, two years before. Children. I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm. Um, and yes, I always think of how to eat as my third child. Although, in fact, um, in a way, uh, the, the seed was sown for how to eat uh, before Bruno was born. Mm. And then I got a bit late with it because I was pregnant. Mm. And then I got a bit later with it again when John got ill. Mm. So um, I sort of wrote it inside my head and did all the cooking for it and then when I actually sat down to write it it just sort of came out in six weeks but I did write pretty much around the clock yes absolutely so there was this astonishing success it was it was the book of your life as well it was the yes. book that you dedicated to your mother and your sister mm. uh, it encapsulated everything that you are uh, beautifully the next step was clearly to then do tv Take us back to that moment. Um, did I think I'd already written my second book before I did the TV, although it hadn't been published. I had to be a domestic goddess. Because I thought I'd never write another food book because I thought this was just a one-off. I was still a journalist, I mean, a non-food journalist. But in the course of writing um, How to Eat, I started baking. And I had always been brought up to think that there were cooks and there were bakers, and I was definitely a cook. And I thought, this is ridiculous. It's actually so easy, baking. And what a scam that everyone thinks it's so difficult. And I, I really felt like a different person. I think that so much in life, and it doesn't matter whether it's in the kitchen or outside of the kitchen, we limit ourselves by thinking, I'm this sort of a person, and I'm not that sort of person. And I always thought I wasn't the sort of person who could bake. I'm quite clumsy. I'm not, I'm not terribly dexterous. I can't. Um, I don't, I, I'm not trained in any way. And I thought you needed some arcane skill to bake. And I thought, no, you don't. And it made me think of myself in a different way, I think. Um, and it gave me a lot more confidence. And I th thought, oh, I've got to, um, I want to write about this. Because I think in human beings, this is something I learned in a way through writing How to Eat, is that human beings, at the very essential level, have a, a kind of fantasy of transformation. Mm. And... When you bake, you really are transforming ingredients in a way that you're not when you're cooking. You are a bit when you're cooking, but you have an idea. The raw ingredients of a stew, putting them in raw, you have an idea of what it's going to be like. Yes. Whereas when you see the, the ingredients of a cake, if you think eggs, flour, sugar, butter, mm. then it's they're very disparate. Yes, they are. And I always think of baking as sort of chemistry mixed yeah. with poetry. And I think it speaks to that part of us in humans that... that, that, that does dream of alchemy yes. and transformation, and yes. and uh, and certainly, I, I, and so I suppose it, it sort of came organically out of how to eat. Mm. The television I was slightly uh, disinclined to do, in the sense that I'd always um, been pretty sure I didn't do want to do much TV. 
I did radio and I did print journalism. But I did say at the time, but I, on the other hand, I like communicating my enthusiasms. And so I said, well, I'll give it a go, but I absolutely um, won't be scripted. I guess I have to have to speak. And at the time, I needed to shoot at home. Mm. I wouldn't do that now, but I, and, and nor would they want to. But I said I have to. So those were my, you know, my two provisos. And we yes. went from there. Yes. And John was really very ill by this time. Mm. The children were very small. And you, I don't know how you did it, to be honest. But then you came up with this fantastic sort of Nigelissima version of yourself, uh, which I always think is quite postmodern, really. It was almost <laughs> just sort of ironic what you were doing with this performance of your... Well, I, you know, I don't know that it's a performance. I think that when you do TV, you have to fill the silence, especially if you're not scripted. So, the, you know, director says action and I start talking. And actually how I do it is because when you start shooting, the camera's so far, far away, the camera's very far away for a wide shot, I'm really like a sports commentator giving the commentary on what's <laughs> happening. So I just give a description <laughs> of what's happening. And so, in a way, I have to use language to um, convey the the sort of magic of what I'm seeing, I suppose. But what about all the licking of the fingers and letting the egg strip through I, the... No, no, but, I, no, but you see, this but is something that... that a, was no, that but listen, director no, not at all. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't lick my fingers except when I wasn't thinking like, <laughs> if I was doing something. And when I separate the eggs through my fingers, it's not something I do to be in any way. In fact, it's rather disgusting. It wouldn't occur to me. Such an odd reading to think it could be alluring in any way. It's because it's the best way to let the... If you want to separate the yolk from the white, it's the best way of letting... The white slips through your fingers, and you keep the oak there. I, it's, it's, there it's, are millions it's, of people who would disagree with but you. But they may don't. disagree. But you know, I, I can't be in charge of how what people project onto me. But the notion that you could set off thinking that was, in, as I say, in any way, an attractive thing to be seen. And I thought they go, ugh, you got this, don't do that. That's disgusting. But you did play it up. I, I, do you know what I? It's so odd because I'm just not a coquettish person. Now, it may well be I, I have got quite an element of camp about me and it may be that that happened. But I, I look, it's, it's futile for me to spend much time or energy disputing anything because clearly I'm in the minority of thinking <laughs> that I'm not being coquettish in that sense. I have quite an intimate way of talking to people. But to me, it's the intimacy of cooking with someone or... Um, Perhaps, you know, speaking to a close friend as you're doing something, but I feel this urgent need to convey what I need to convey. But in, but certainly, um, it certainly is not, as I say, it's not meant to be mm. seductive. Mm. And that they are, even the notion of that makes me feel quite sick. And so how did it feel then when, I mean, you were I the, felt very most, uncomfortable. the most beautiful woman in the world and all that oh, sort of stuff. I wasn't, and that's a but, nonsense. But you were on those lists. Yeah, but, you know, you know what those lists are. We've all done those lists in, in offices. You know, journalists, journalists sit around doing lists. <laughs> um, who's in, <laughs> who's out? All of us are on them. Now, yes, I know, no, but, but how did it, it feel? Doesn't, it felt embarrassing. Mm. Um, and it's always made me feel that the real me is going to be a hideous disappointment for people. I mean, anyway. I mean, I know that you. I, I, it it is annoying when women are reduced to what they look like when they have just created this extraordinary. No, it's not legacy. that I'm saying that. I'm just saying that I feel that there's a certain sort um, of hyperbole, you know, that happens, and the story feeds off itself. Mm. And in a sense, I don't recognise myself in those descriptions, and I don't think a lot of people would who knew me. Um, and actually, 
as I say, I can't fight it, but you, you know, th- those labels are put on me, and actually, I'm pr- a pretty much of a bumbling, messy person. But the glamorous Nigella. TV creates glamour. TV creates glamour, and because you know you have a hair and makeup, and the lighting's, um, the lighting's good. Well, I would say that the your particular shtick on television was the glamorous cook. You know, there were lots of other cooks doing different things, mm. and yours was the beautiful mm. Sophia Loren type character. T- TV may well mm. have made you that way, but that was the, mm. the corner that you were in. Did it help or hinder what you were trying to do with your, with your books on telly? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't know. I think that... When I meet readers or meet people who come to book signings or talks I give, I feel most people get it. I mean, I think people understand my voice. Mm. They understand that I'm I'm a realistic person. I think that perhaps readers get more of a sense of that than viewers because, in a way, television exists to um, provide enchantment so when you shoot a recipe you don't see the washing up gloves you don't see the kitchen towel um, everything looks lovely you know you set a scene to make it look wonderful you're saying to people just for half an hour you know don't worry about the hideousness of the world and lose yourself here but at the same time I have to know that the, the food I'm showing people you know how I'm cooking it and what happens that that actually is pinned into reality that it has to be something that I won't ever cut a process if it makes a recipe look different because mm. um, you, you have to cut obviously otherwise you know each program would have to be about five hours and um, so I think it's an odd mixture and I feel that I can't quibble with with that sort of um, camp element as I say I am quite camp but I think I think people know that mm. but you know the thing is, it is a television program. Mm. It isn't a documentary. Mm. Um, I have some questions from the delicious listeners who posted on Instagram. So Clark and Wellboy, who I think you know, says he would like your top three recipes 
for the perfect dinner party. Oh God, I why? What's wrong with the world with their <laughs> lists? I don't know. It depends who's coming, and okay. I don't know. Is this um, the people who last came to dinner? What did you give them? The people who last came to dinner, I did. Um, I'm trying to remember which tray bake I did. I think I did um, a chicken tray bake with um, orange and fennel. And I also did some roast uh, radicchio and mashed potato. And I'm trying to remember what I did for pudding. It was, I think it was, I think it was a sticky toffee pudding. Sticky toffee pudding and salted caramel ice cream. But... I am having some people over shortly and I'm doing the... See, this is why it depends. Oh, I think this was earlier. Awesome. I'm going to do... Actually, it's a couple of how-to-eat recipes. I'm doing the uh, beef stew with anchovies and thyme mm. and I'm doing the orange and almond blossom oh, delicious. Uh, cake for pudding. Wonderful. Just um, ordered the ingredients. Fantastic. Sudi Foodie wants to know who designed your kitchen. Um, who designed my kitchen? I didn't have a designer for my kitchen. I uh, spoke to someone who helped me, you know, source things. But I, did, you know, said what I wanted where. Yes, so I just knew then I wanted a bit of pink and green. So I just had it, you know, I, I don't know. It got into that sort of way. I when I designed it in the sense that I said, I want, I don't like cupboards above waist height. So I have to have everything in shelves. I knew I wanted lots of things hanging down and I also um, now have just and I discovered this wonderful LED teeny like pinprick spotlights which I put around my the utensils that hang so I did that and I so I've got lots so really it was just about finding the right lighting so lighting is very important but mostly that I could have as many things open and out that I could get with you know making sure I had huge drawers so that I could hide heavy ugly things Wonderful. So Gills, Gills, Gills says, what's your favourite seafood recipe? What's my favourite seafood recipe? Well, I'm very, very fond of um, a recipe. I think it's from Kitchen. It could be from Feast. I don't know. But I think Kitchen, which is you, I cut up potatoes and I roast them. And then when they're roasted, but still got time to cook, I put various bits of seafood on top. So it's really roast seafood with some of the juices oozing onto very crisp tubes of potato. How gorgeous. Um, and Maggie Quinn 999 um, asks if you grow your own food. Um, I have grown my own food. I'm not terribly good at it. Um, I do herbs. Um, not the sort of herbs I need to eat in huge quantity, but certainly thyme, rosemary, uh, uh, marjoram. And I have tried, I do have a bit of so some chives and I was you know, let their hair get too long and ruin them. Um, but I did, I did have some uh, chicory this year. That's what the Italians call chicory, like bitter leaves that got mm. a bit too bitter. And tomatoes. I did have tomatoes this year. I used to do tomatoes years ago, and then I stopped for a long time. And I did do tomatoes this year. Just picked, I'm getting towards the end of my tomatoes. But I'm not. Um, I would, you know, I do have a dream of having, you know, the full kitchen garden, not that I've got the space for it. But um, in reality, it's a full-time job, I think. Yes. I love Jeanette Winterson's quote. Mm. Well, she says, pleasure always starts in the mind. And I think that this is what you do. And I think this is where you enchant people. I think that people open the recipe book to cook something like your lovely beef with anchovies. And suddenly they're in a de very different place. 
Where did that come from for you? I have an idea that you were a bookworm and that you mm, were always in your I, head. Yes, I did. Yes, I did read a lot. I mean, I, I think, but that's also what I like in other people's writing. I need to be taken somewhere. I need to know why this matters. And I think that in a way you have to be taken into the realm of the senses because that's that's the plain food occupies yes. and and I don't I didn't I didn't set out to do it I suppose I just did it I just wanted to discuss and what we have only language at our disposal for conjuring up uh, a physical world and so it's how do I do that how do I do that without it um just being I don't want it to be an empty exercise I, I I suppose that I started that when I started being a restaurant critic which is I wanted to somehow conjure up what it felt like to be in that restaurant eating that food and I suppose when I started writing recipes or writing about food I I tried to do the same mm. I don't suppose you could not could you I mean you you write exactly how you I, speak. I do write as I speak. And what is quite funny is that I actually do give a pretty much a running commentary of my life as I do it. So you'd think that talking aloud of what I do comes from the habit of doing television. But actually, I've always done it. So I'm always saying, right, are you, I'm just going out of the room now and I'll come back in a minute. And I just always do that. So actually, when I cook, it comes naturally to me to say out loud what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm I'm fascinated about how this book will be received now because it could be the culinary classic for a new generation of millennials. Look, I don't know how it'll ever be received. And I think that we live in a different age and maybe I, I don't quite know how a book without pictures will be received. I've started getting, you know, messages from people who hadn't read it originally and they seem to like it. But you can't write books to please everyone and that's such a... That's that would be such an error ever to try and do that. So I suppose that I think when you speak what you think, when, in a sense that you keep your voice, I couldn't change that. You know, in a way, you could say I could have gone through and changed an awful lot, yeah. made, updated the book and all sorts, but then it would have been nothing. I mean, yes. it has to be of its age. And there are things that have changed, yeah. of course. Um, and so it's always going to be um, of a particular time. You know, it doesn't mean to say it won't have any relevance. I mean, after all, one of the books I have, you know, I cook from a lot of books that are published a long time ago, and they're the ones I mm. stick to. But I, but nevertheless, I, I, I'm, do you know what, just as you know, you asked me about how I'm perceived on TV, and I slightly don't know, and I I, I, in the same way as that if I think about how will something uh, I've written, how will it go down now, I feel to concentrate on anything other than my part of the job is slightly unsettling. Mm. You know, I'm not someone who asks what my viewing figures are. Mm. I don't want to know how many copies of a book I've sold. I can't do anything once I've done my bit. Mm. And so I think to be too anxiously worrying about whether people will like it or not would make me feel um, quite vulnerable. And one always feels a bit vulnerable when a book comes out because one's exposed and uh, it's my thoughts, even though they've, it's been published before and it's stayed in print over 20 years. So in a way, you could say that it's a bit less frightening. But nevertheless, I think it's only less frightening if I don't give it too much thought. Yeah. My question is, you know, what's next? But set against what this started a whole, well, 11 books mm. in which you went on a big journey 
Um, where are you now? What What would be the next book? I don't know what would the next book would be. I've been so uh, I've been on the road such a lot. I haven't spent enough time in my kitchen, and I've got a, I have some things on the back burner. But until I spend enough time in my kitchen, I can't say. Mm. Um, Will there be more telly? Are you still enjoying that? I still am enjoying it. I don't do it every year. Never have, because again, it takes me time to come up with the recipes, and I never ever ever want to be nor would I be a churning out machine so if I have recipes and I have ideas then I'll do a book and that Mm. then I'll do tv but not for the sake of it thanks for listening to the delicious podcast please do rate and review it by going to your podcast app and scrolling down until you find those stars five stars please and let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast via any of the delicious social media channels Next week, I'm back with the November episode, packed with features from behind the world of Delicious magazine. I'll see you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.